0: Just a quick trigger warning for this episode since we are discussing the movie Thelma and Louise of course uh, sexual assault comes up in this um, as does domestic violence a little bit and there is brief mentions of suicide So if there's a triggering for you you might want to skip this episode. Thanks so much Hello and welcome to it's a fandom thing. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. On this episode, we are going to be celebrating the movie Thelma and Louise and talking a lot about how everybody said this movie was going to change things in the industry and how, well, that didn't happen. And watching it, I watched it just a few hours before we even started this and watching it and realizing it's like 30-something years, like 20 or 30-something years old. And it basically could be made today and be thought of as this big revolutionary thing. And it's so sad to me. Anyway, so we're going to talk about that movie. Uh, but before we get into that, just a couple of quick housekeeping notes. Of course, we're taking listener support. If you would like to support the show for as little as 99 cents a month to $9.99 a month, head on over to our anchor page and click listener support there. Or click on listener support in our show notes. And also remember, we're doing live streams now. So tomorrow since this is airing on Friday, Carla is going to be joining me, my new co-host. She's back to being my co-host for our kickoff to Pride month, and I know it's a couple of days early, but you should celebrate pride all year long anyway. So we are going to be kicking it off with a discussion about the film Moonlight. So it's going to be heavy. Our kickoff to Pride is going to be heavy because we're going to be discussing Moonlight and Brokeback Mountain is how we're kicking it off. So You know, it's not light stuff, but I think they're both two very important movies. And just to let you know, Moonlight is on Showtime right now. And Brokeback Mountain leaves Netflix on May 31st. Why Netflix isn't being smart and keeping it through the end of June? I don't know. (laughs) It seems kind of stupid to me, but whatever. So watch that beforehand because, of course, we're going to be spoiling everything. So watch both of those. And you should watch them anyway because they're both amazing movies. Okay, so I'm gonna go around and introduce everybody. And tell me one thing you're into, Carla.
1: I am. I'm still into the um, the zombie tiger. I it just it, it has me in its paws, and it won't <laughs> let go because it is a zombie tiger, and that's what they do. They just <laughs> just hold tight. Yeah, like I, I'd like to say, oh, I've also been doing this. No, I've been obs- obsessing about the the zombie tiger, and I, that's all I can do with my life these days. And you know what? I don't have any regrets about it either. Yeah.
0: Like I said, the zombie tiger needs to be in everything. Everything. We should just go back to other movies. Put the zombie. <laughs> Imagine the zombie tiger in Citizen Kane. And when <gasps> Citizen Kane says Rosebud, then the zombie tiger appears. <laughs> 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 I mean...
1: pretty you know, amazing. I, yeah. That actually really, really works well. I think... You know, and while you were sleeping, <laughs> when when um, when Lucy and Jack are, you know, like, playfully slipping on the ice, and the zombie tiger maybe appears, I think that yes. would be a beautiful addition to that romantic moment. I
0: agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, zombie tiger everywhere. And then Sasha, who hasn't been on in, like, a couple of months... Where do you think a zombie tiger should be?
2: (laughs) Um, Everywhere. So I just finished that today. Uh Uh, I started it Friday. My husband and I started it Friday. And then he had things to do Friday night. And yesterday was Gish. And then he up and left today to go do things. And I was like, "Mm, not waiting. (laughs) Finished it. So uh, I love the zombie tiger. Uh, and it needs to be in all the things. I do agree. I'm exactly. just struggling with the zombie tiger and rom-coms, but hey, whatever. But it, we came I mean, up with our, I mean, you, you have the meat
0: cute. It can help with the meat cute. With the while you were sleeping thing, it can be like, even though they're on the, it's not like an ice skating rink. It can still like skate by on the ice, you know, really quickly. Maybe you yeah. see it with like, some weird random dude in its mouth and just and you're oh, like, yeah. oh that was weird. Yeah. No, I'm totally, I'm totally in. Totally. In. Some random thing. <laughs> well, I'm continuing something else. I am continuing my Barry Watson thing that has now recently become a thing. And thank you, Aaron A. She has just, dis- she said she's diving into the Barry Watson rabbit hole. <laughs> because of my mention of him.
1: And Look what you've done. <laughs> I know, I'm creating Barry Watson fans. I, to... I mean, honestly, he should be paying your royalties.
0: <laughs> but I watched this movie on Hulu that's part of that Into the Dark series, the Blumhouse Into the Dark series, called The Current Occupant. And it's kind of like a psychological thriller where a guy wakes up and he thinks he is something I'm not going to say, and then you're not sure what's going on. He's He's in a uh, psychiatric facility and so you're not sure if he really is supposed to be there or if something else is going on but his performance honestly was so good I, I'm not, this isn't really a joke he seriously is really good in this movie and he has a moment, I'm not gonna say because it'll spoil a big reveal where he cries and he is such a good crier he gets really emotional and I don't know, so I'm on a Barry Watson kick I guess I don't know <laughs> Can't find Boogeyman anywhere, so can't watch that. so well,
1: I guess we will have to make do.
0: <laughs> so I'll have to make do. And I don't really feel like watching all the Hallmark movies he's been in, though. So I'm like, are there any other horror movies he's been in?
1: <laughs> you can just tweet at him now or send him uh, something on Instagram and be like, hair hey, B-Watts. Um, any plans for any more horror movies in the future? Because I could totally dig those. Please don't do any more Hallmark, though. Those are <laughs> so not my jam. I Actually, I, I watch those. So,
0: you know, but, but I just don't. But I don't know. I want to watch any more horror movies. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so let's get into Thelma and Louise. So I just want to know, first off, your overall thoughts on the film. Mainly just like what your favorite scenes are. Maybe lines and... You know your even if your initial thoughts even if you want to get those, Carla.
1: Oh, so many thoughts. I mean, I, I rewatched it uh, today, and it's just it's such a complete movie. It has really great acting, of course, and it has a great score and the music is great. But that relationship between Thelma and Louise and and how how much they go through together. Um, And how much of it is still relevant today, like you were saying a little bit ago. It just, it's, it saddens me how much it still resonates. And I I can't help but admire the, um, there were so many things that they tackled in this movie Mm -hmm. that are just done so beautifully. Like they don't victim shame um, Thelma, you know. And, and, and they say it over and over again, you know, if we went to the police, they would just say that you were dancing with him and that you had it coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that occurs throughout the entire movie. They bring it up several times. There are many times when they do things that are out of their realm and it's kind of them finding themselves. So in a way, it's also about. Self discoveries, particularly for for Thelma, um, Louise is just running scared and she's terrified. We don't really know why. We don't. We don't really get the details, but we do know mm-hmm. that it has something to do with what Thelma went through. Um, it, it's and then the characters themselves are so well developed, which is a thing that is unfortunately still rare for women in film. But the fact that you know uh, that Thelma gets to have a sexual encounter that is strictly based off of lust. It's nothing. Be- there, there, there's no need for the the romance. You know, mm. she she doesn't she doesn't fall in love with JD. She doesn't expect anything from him, and she just goes for it. And that's like really awesome. There are so many expectations in in movies in general that like, oh well, if a girl's gonna you know put out, it's it's because she has feelings for the guy. Her feelings are all in her panties, and that's <laughs> yeah. fine. And and I, I really I, I love that it, it's really wonderful to to see her enjoying herself, enjoying her body, enjoying his body, but there's also a lot of frustration for me in that movie because they both make really awful choices, particularly Thelma. Thelma makes awful choice after awful choice and it, and and there it's it's oh my gosh, like I'm constantly like slapping my forehead going thelma. I mean, I've seen this yeah. movie before, and I'm still like, Thelma, why? Thelma, no. But yeah, it, it's frustrating, and because on top of it, you know, Louise is already she already has a murder on her hands, and now she can't even offer her friend a way out because she she and and I think she was contemplating doing that is leaving Thelma so that she could just go on and um and escape, and because Thelma hadn't done anything wrong, but then Thelma robs that store and it's like well damn now we're both stuck with this but as far as as the the lines I mean of course let's keep going because that's just I mean that's honestly the first thing probably that anybody thinks of when they think of this movie Mm -hmm. let's keep going I also like you get what you settle for because that is very true and that's something that that not enough people are told in their youth that you know I think there's less pressure now than there was back then to you know, just settle down with somebody and just you know make a life for yourself. You know, you're 25. You're getting kind of old, and that's not really the case anymore. I, I think that at least, at least in that aspect, society has improved a bit. But there's still a lot of pressure to just, you know, just get it done. And back then, it was it was even worse. So, um, and a friend of mine used to tell me she was like, you know, settle down, but don't settle. And that was like the best advice. I ever got from anybody about dating and the, the last line that I really love is I don't remember I don't ever remember feeling this awake and that's you know it was like, the psychology you know student in me is going like well that's because you're pumped full of adrenaline and, and you know you have like all of these things going on but there's a clarity that comes from from knowing that you're not long for this world from knowing that there, that you don't have any hope mm-hmm. and that's Uh, it's kind of freeing in its own way because you know like there's really nothing worse that I can do right now to make my situation worse so let me just her attitude is I'm just going to enjoy whatever time I have left and while I, I still am frustrated that you know if she had made different choices along the way that may not have needed to be the case for them I think she takes it with as good spirit as as one can in that situation, mm-hmm. yeah. Sasha,
2: Carla. If she didn't make those choices, we wouldn't have
1: a movie. <laughs> that is my constant thing. Like I'm constantly like killing entertainment. Like why don't just they do this? Why don't they just communicate? And Meg is constantly <laughs> telling me, then we wouldn't have a show. And I'm like, but I would be a lot less frustrated. So you know, I I think that works out in my favor. So <laughs> but you're absolutely right. <laughs>
2: All right, so this movie I just looked it up is thirty years
1: old. Whoa. Yeah, that's
2: yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> well, I Have sudden regrets about looking it up, but um, it's funny because I also just rewatched it today, and I love Thelma and Louise. I've always loved it. It's one of those like near and dear movies. And watching it today, I'm like, oh. I think in my 20s, I was pretty much Thelma. Like, I'm watching them pack their bags and stuff. it's like, Thelma's just, like, shoving crap in a suitcase. (laughs) Louise is like, everything's in Ziploc bags. And it's all organized. It's like, no. I didn't get that way until kids made me that way. Where I had to be organized when we were traveling. Otherwise, Thelma. The other things that I noticed, as far as, like, the movie itself. that The bar scene. You know, when they're out there dancing and it's like, they can. Thelma convinces Louise, like, let's just go dance. It's fine. We'll have the drinks. And they go dance. And then Louise comes back and drinks her drink. I was mortified. Because I was like, you would never leave a drink in a bar and then come back and drink. Yeah. Ever. Mm -hmm. Ever. But 30 years ago, you could get away with that. I literally, like, cringed. Cringed. Freaked me out. Made me all itchy. Baby Brad Pitt. <laughs> baby Brad Pitt. My, oh, that boy. I want my baby bread, baby bread, baby bread. Yep. That was awesome. Thank you, Carla. Perfect timing. That was so perfect. Um, Yeah, I, oh, man. That boy. I don't, oh, just, <laughs> mm. she, yeah, that was good. Maybe Brad Pitt. I got. I don't know. As, <laughs> Sasha's just
0: at a loss for words now.
2: i yeah, oh, I just. I can't. But I don't know. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, well, yeah. Moving on. Um, <laughs> I can't even think straight. just Totally, just thinking about. Yeah. They destroyed that hotel room, and it was great. Loved it. Uh mm-hmm. The lines the lines that I really like is when they're stopped at the railroad tracks and Louise is like, we need to get to Mexico and not through Texas. And Thelma's like, we're in Oklahoma. (laughs) The only thing between us and Mexico is Texas. Like how, what? That whole scene. Just, I love that. It's just, we're not touching Texas. I don't care. Figure it out. And then when Thelma locks the cop in the trunk, A, I love that she shot air holes for him. I thought that was very thoughtful and considerate. But after that whole thing, when she was like, you know, it's crazy, but I think I'm getting a real knack for this. Like, (laughs) I'm pretty good at this life of crime stuff. That was funny because it's like she was so repressed and so contained in her marriage and that whole relationship and everything with Daryl. That now that she's truly free, she doesn't, she went from one extreme to the next. But she's like embracing it and going, I got this. This is cool. I can do this. So those are kind of my overall.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I love how you got stuck on the Brad Pitt thing. Because I have to say, Brad Pitt doesn't always do anything for me, honestly. I'll be totally honest. But in this movie does there's just something about him i think it's the way he's shot too i think it's the way the camera like baby up his body yeah well and it's also the way the camera moves up his body like it would a woman and i just because i wrote that down that it's very much the brad pitt is just totally show brad pitt's shown through the female gaze through this whole movie it's just like totally if you were to see him and you were a woman and you wanted him and you lusted after him and you just wanted a quick fuck. <laughs> this is honestly the way you would look at him. And that's what's so nice about the way they film Brad Pitt, because he is he's very you're like, oh, that would be fun. Yeah, let's go get a hotel room and let's just go have some fun. There's not going to be anything else to this. You're not going to be this person i am going to spend the rest of my life with. And that's perfectly fine. I don't even want to get to know you. Let's just go have fun. And I loved, even though Thelma was stupid to leave him alone in the room after he told her that he robs places. I'm like that that makes it even worse because I'm like, dude, he just told you that he robs places, and you're gonna leave him alone with a bunch of money. I mean, yeah, he may be a good lay, but
1: <laughs> but she's so naive. I know just so I know naive. like <laughs> oh, Louise would never have done that just want to put that out there
2: but the thing about Thelma and doing it the best part is when she's whimpering like the dog like oh, I know that was oh, what I was gonna say it was one of my fi- yes
1: when she <laughs> yeah. does that when
2: she's whimpering
0: like
1: oh, please 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 please, Mom, please. <laughs> <laughs> please. I just
2: I want to hug him and squeeze him <laughs> bang him yeah. like a screen door in a hurricane <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> And what I also appreciate about that is the fact that you've got this movie that that has, and I should have said on the onset, and I'll just throw it in here and I'll throw it in the beginning. Maybe I'll re-record something. We are talking about Thelma and Louise, and Thelma and Louise does involve a sexual assault and discussions of sexual assault. So trigger warnings on that. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you probably would know that. But I'm going to re-record that and put that in there because I totally forgot to put that on there. But what I appreciate is the fact that the movie doesn't instantly say that because Thelma was attacked and almost raped, they don't say that that's it. She'll never feel sexual again. And I thought that was really interesting because, and they didn't do it in a way where it was like, now she's going to be like a slut or something like that. It was more like, Oh, she's still sexually attracted to men. She still wants to be sexual because not every woman, when they go through that has the same reaction to it. So I thought that was really nice and a nice little thing that they gave that for her. And yeah, I mean, Louise wouldn't have done it. Louise would have never even slept with him because Louise has a totally different mindset. I think Louise is basically operating under PTSD the whole time. And what happened to Thelma just totally triggered it. And that's how she ended up shooting shooting him is she just was like, wasn't even thinking. And it just happened because he triggered in her that he triggered in her that PTSD that she hadn't really been facing or dealing with. And it was probably part of the reason why her relationship wasn't working. So when Harlan says all that stuff and says, and when he says, I should have just fucked her, that was it. That was like, boom, no. Uh-uh. And she didn't even know what she was doing. And she just did it. And that's kind of what I wrote down about them is that Louise is like this person who has like this tough exterior and she seems really tough, but inside she's just like this wounded little child and she's really fragile. And then Thelma is kind of the opposite. Um, And you see that come out throughout the movie, like with that cop scene. What's so interesting watching that is that throughout this whole thing, you've seen Louise seems to be the one in control and the one who knows what to do. And then all of a sudden Thelma is like, Okay, Louise, you grab his gun. Okay, this is what we're doing, and and you know shoot shoot the stereo, shoot the shoot the radio. She shoots the car radio. <laughs> She's like, no, the police radio. And it's like this interesting reversal where it's like, okay, now Thelma's kind of in control, and you see that in the movie. And I think that's what's so interesting about watching it. And it's just, it's such a good movie, and it's so incredible that this movie was directed by a man. I just still think that's incredible, just because. To me, at least, I didn't find anything problematic about the way women were portrayed in this movie. What was problematic to me is the fact that this movie seems to be pushing an envelope 30 years later. And that's what's problematic. is not the fact that it anything that, in the content, but the fact that it's pushing an envelope. The fact that you would have a movie where they would acknowledge the fact that if women were to go there they would not be believed the fact that you would have a movie acknowledge that. And the fact that you would have a movie show how disgusting men can be that are also supposed to be married and supposed to be faithful and all that stuff is pretty, pretty incredible. And it's just, but it's just sad that it's incredible still to this day. Some of these scenes I'm watching it. I'm like, feeling just emotional and overwhelmed by it, being able to see women just in such powerful roles and such strength. And I keep having to remind myself this was 30 years ago. (laughs) And it's so sad to me. You know, it's just so sad. I, you know, we'll talk about a little bit about the change that was supposed to happen. And if it's better now, because Carla, I of course talked about bridesmaids earlier this week, and how that was also pushing the envelope in a different way with comedy and stuff but yeah it's just it's it's just a great great movie overall I think I second all the lines everyone has said I also just love when uh Louise tells Thelma to call her husband and just to see if they're watching and he like instantly worried and she's like just clicks he knows. He knows. <laughs> she's like yeah he cares about me yeah yeah uh-huh no nope. no nope. no nope. yeah it's I just I love it. And I think it's a beautiful love story too. It's a beautiful love story between the two of them. And I I mean that the platonic love story, but it's just, it's absolutely gorgeous. Okay. So let's talk about that because this is about two women, two female friends. So what do you think it is saying about female empowerment and friendships, Carla?
1: I think it's saying that you can be the master of your, of your destiny. And I think that it says that from the very beginning, when Thelma not only doesn't ask her husband for permission to leave, she also, she's she's leaving him. She She's not planning on coming back. And I think that that's the gist of it from the get-go. She She's in a volatile relationship with him, and we don't see the extent of that. But I'm pretty sure it was an abusive relationship. The way he just from the way he treated mm-hmm. her, and from the way that she left in a in a very surreptitious way. I mean, she asked him um, when he would be coming back. He said late. She's like perfect. She packs up absolutely everything that she needs. She takes the gun, which I I I think it was from protection from from him. That was my takeaway from that. She, uh, and that's part of why also she was so willing to go along with everything that that Louise wanted to do. She's like, "You're gonna, you want to go to Mexico? Let's go to Mexico." You know, like you want to drive off a cliff? Let's. Oh, well, actually, she's the one who even said, mm-hmm. "Let's keep going." But it's because she she had to her going back to Daryl was worse than anything else that could have happened to her. So. It it kicks off with this already idea that pick up and go, you know, save yourself however you can, whatever that looks like for you in the end, do it because you shouldn't be tied to a Daryl in your life if you can help it for for Louise and for her journey there's just so much like you were saying so much uh ptsd and 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 so much that she was dealing with silently because even to her best friend she never really opened up about it thelma had to guess and figure out why louise had left texas and what the texas thing that she won't open up about she had to guess around it because even to the very end louise was not ready to talk about it and i that's also choosing to get away from from that not to, not to say that because it, it is there you know clearly, clearly they, they, they died by suicide but i almost feel like in a way louise was kind of leaning there already she did seem to be like the more carefree one at the very beginning if you see her in the diner and you know the, the way that she's like like, very neatly just packing up to go. She's ex- excited to go on a cabin trip with her bestie. But she's also... As much as she's scared and she's she doesn't quite know what to do, she knows what she doesn't want and, and what she doesn't want to go back to. And, and she's not willing to do any of the things that will put her in that position. And if it, if it means she's done, well, then she's done. But that's where their friendship comes in and makes it beautiful because it could just be a really starkly depressing movie. It really could be. But the the Mm -hmm. reason that it's not is that their friendship is a buoy, you know, it it really lifts up the entire movie. And they also have like great um, comic scenes in there. They have great moments of levity that everybody pulls off so well, but their friendship is so, so beautiful. And it's, it's lovely that, you know, as much as, as, um, Louise gets frustrated at at Thelma. She's still there with her and she's still there for her. And she's still putting her ahead of herself because a lot of what she does is she she is because she's trying to kind of save Thelma. And Thelma doesn't want to be saved. She wants to, at least not in that way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because being saved that way means going back to Daryl. And that's what the part that she doesn't want. Um and they come to know each other better without really talking. You know, they just from that experience, they silently understand each other better because they're also understanding themselves better. Thelma, like I said, in particular, has a, a bigger journey, a bigger, um, I guess you could say, growth, development, really, because she realizes, you know, she doesn't have to be like timid and and anything, and she's really not when you think about it, she's timid for Daryl because Daryl is just this huge hulking presence in her life. But as soon as she's out of his line of sight, she's light and flirty and, you know, she just wants to have a good time and enjoy herself. But she also comes to realize like, Hey, I can really do some, some damage in this world. And not even just in the the shooting kind of sense, although (laughs) (laughs) that does factor in, but she can take charge of a room of people she she hears jd say once his uh his takedown of a of a you know how to rob a place she immediately adopts it and she pulls it off beautifully you know you would think that she had been doing this for years the way that she does it the way that she addresses that cop when they're pulled mm-hmm. over again you would think that she had been evading the law for years and it's just it just came natural to her. And I think that that's something that I think, in, you know, and maybe another circumstance, she would have become something different. You know, she, she could have been like a CEO or she could have translated those skills into something where she's like in a management position or something, but, you know, it went the whole other way. That's fine. It makes for a great movie, but it is just funny to, to see how um, these things that we discover in ourselves in a high pressure moment, where they can take us and how she may not have discovered that about herself at all ever in her other life. And for just the, the idea that, that women can be empowered by it's, it's as simple as realizing that you have a choice. You're steering this ship. You are the one who who can make the rules in your life. And from Back then to well before then to now to probably beyond now. It's a message that I think we're constantly getting um, mixed messages about or just flat out contradictory messages. Because even the people who are telling us, yes, you can do it. Yes, you're, you know, I am a woman, hear me roar. The rest of society is swirling the other way. Where they, they they still want to put women in little boxes and still want to tell us, yes, you can be empowered as long as it's serving society, as long as you're also um, a maternal figure, as long as your anything that that you do contributes to the world. You can't. It, it's not. Women aren't allowed to be about themselves or for themselves. It has to be a greater good, a community thing which you know I, I believe strongly in community but I also believe that that um, we don't need to turn off our own internal light for us to contribute something to you know to the world and Sasha Carla makes excellent points and
2: I love them all. I'm gonna go a little lighter and fluffier and um, just the dynamic between them, and their relationship, you know, like the like Carla said, the the comedy and the you know, you have the funny and the straight, and they switch roles depending on what's going on. And I love that um dynamic in that relationship. I love the message that it gives that you can have those women in your life that you know, Louise has moments where she straight up, you know, she wants to murder Thelma and just shake her and be like, What is wrong with you, bitch? Get it together. And you know that, and but they still, they work through it and they keep going. And ultimately they end up, you know, together unite as a united front and they have their moments. And I think it's beautiful to show that and that they can get through it. And then, yeah, as far as we like, she is just operating from trauma. It's just straight up trauma response after trauma response for her. She puts on the good front, but when it comes down to it, she just can't maintain and I think Thelma is she recognizes that and yeah she gets real good at that life of crime. I she owned that phrasing, you know, like all right, here's what we're gonna do. Everybody on the floor, everybody be cool, you know, and she just that was her thing. The empowerment thing I I agree with Aaron like the whole sex thing you know she was assaulted, almost fully raped in the parking lot. That man was all over her. It was disgusting and then you know, baby Brad Pitt walks through she's like, "Look at his ass, I want me some of that <laughs> and she goes out and gets it and it's like there's no there's no shaming in it, and there's no mm-hmm. you know, oh, it's not going one way or the other. It's just what it is." And she gets to own that part of her. And I think a lot of times that's threatening to certain people that women can do that because it was straight up one night of just fun. There was no, this is going to be my husband. We're going to have all the babies, be a nice little housewife. Like none of that. So I like that empowerment aspect. But as far as the friendship, I think I just love that they show that they can fight and argue, but still ultimately come together when it counts. And I don't know. I mean, I think I've been pretty lucky in my female friendships where I haven't had a lot of like the competitive cattiness. I just never engaged in it. So I got lucky where I've had some pretty good, you know, Thelmas to my Louise or Louises to my Thelma at the time, depending on what I needed. So it's nice to see that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, ditto pretty much to everything everyone has said. And, and you know, the, the thing with the shaming for sexuality, just going that really quickly. It's not just men that shame women for their sexuality. It's women that shame women for their sexuality. So what was nice also is you didn't have, Louise was upset about the money, but Louise was never upset about her having sex with him. It was never like, how could you do that? That's so stupid. It was more, she was very happy for her friend that her friend, probably my guess was that was the first time she ever had an orgasm. That was was my guess. That was what I was guessing from everything they said in there. That was her very first time. So she was very excited for her friend that her friend got to have an orgasm and got off. And she was very excited for her and happy for her in that respect. And there was no shaming there. And that was very nice to see Uh, It was very nice to see that it was never like they never dressed them like um, they were sex objects and they were both very beautiful and gorgeous to look at. But they never were dressed like, okay. which there's nothing wrong with. I want to say that there's nothing wrong with dressing sexy and showing off your body. I'm not saying that I'm just saying they were never dressed to titillate the audience. So they were dressed the way that they would have dressed. And that was just very refreshing to see. And watching them together, their chemistry is so amazing. It's so incredible. It's incredible that they didn't go on and do 100 different movies together. Like, they didn't do, like, a series of just, like, different action movies with just Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon. Because they really had great, great chemistry together. And I think, uh, and we'll talk about the performances here in just a second. But I think for Gina Davis, as far as, like, with, with the Thelma character, I think for a long time, Gina Davis was kind of pigeonholed into playing characters that were very sexy in a very different kind of way. And I think this character is almost like that, but playing off of that and being like, no, 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 she's got more layers to her. She's not just this person who, Oh, she's, very tall and slim and gorgeous and unique looking. And she's, you know, all that stuff that I think a lot of other movies play to with her. And so it was nice to see that they were playing to her intelligence because you could have easily made Thelma an idiot. You could have easily been like Thelma's a stupid person. She makes stupid decisions, but she's not an idiot. She's not stupid. That's the difference. And I like that a lot because you didn't have like the smart friend and then the dumb friend, which really easily could have happened and that was pretty incredible to see. It's incredible to watch a movie with two women where even though there are there is the love interest in Michael Madsen's character and there's the f- I know I love Michael Madsen too, Sasha. I have a I've had a thing for Michael Madsen for you too, Carla. Oh yeah. Oh my god. I just there's something about that man. He speaks and I'm just like oh. <laughs> it's like putty, putty. I'm glad to hear that. Both of my panelists agree with me on that because I know some people find him creepy, but I don't, I find him like, he's, no, he's the guy that I'd want to, yeah, he's the guy I'd want to have that hotel scene with.
2: (laughs) I Yeah, I would be okay with that.
0: But even though you have that storyline in there, and I have to say it was really nice to see Michael Mattson play a character like that and not be a bad guy. That was really nice because he's always cast as a bad guy, usually nine times out of 10. So it was really nice to see that, I want to say. But but it was nice that the movie did not revolve around romance. It wasn't a love story. They didn't need a man to complete them. They needed each other to complete them, really. I mean, really, it's about them being soulmates in a lot of respects. They are each other's soulmates. They're the other half. They're the yin and the yang kind of thing to, to each other. They complete each other. And they bring they help each other grow and they learn from each other and they're fully fleshed out human beings that have so many different emotions and they're flawed. And it's just so it makes me want to cry because you don't see this enough. You don't see this enough with women. And it's so sad that 30 years later, you still don't see this enough where you have a fully fleshed out woman And you don't have to have all the other stuff. And there's also the other thing I appreciated coming from a woman who decided she was never going to have children, never wants to have children. You never have talk of children in this movie. (laughs) I have to say there was never any talk of like being a mom, becoming a mom. It's never there. And it really struck me this time when I originally watched this movie, I didn't even notice that at all, but I really noticed it this time. I was like, oh yeah, wait, that's not even a part of this. And that's really refreshing. And women that aren't like, you know, 20 years old that or 15, that's really refreshing to see. So, yeah, all around just absolutely amazing, incredible. I love this movie so much. <laughs> I really, you, you appreciate it more, I think, when you get older. I think the older you get, the more you appreciate it, honestly. I, that's what I found watching. Because it's been a, quite a few years since I've watched it. And I appreciate it a lot more this time. Okay, let's talk about those performances. We can talk about the supporting too, but primarily, of course, Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon. So what are your thoughts on the performances, Carla?
1: They were so perfect. You know, they they really, they were well cast. Like you said, they have excellent chemistry. They each draw things from, I think that they play very well off of each other, Mm -hmm. which is one of my, my favorite things to see on screen is watching two actors really play well together and they do they do they're so just excellent and you really get lost in the performance and they're just you know especially now with the, there's just so much content out there so much content and you can see how some of it is just kind of hastily put together and it, it's it comes from a lot of the times from the performances and how just kind of shallow the actors go and these actress they went in deep. Gina Davis, like I said before, th- there were a lot of movies in which she was just, you know, the sexy girl and and you know, not to say that she's not cuz she's absolutely beautiful, but I think this and Beetlejuice are two of my favorite Gina Davis roles because they they both they are both uh they have moments of like just broadness and and just big comedy elements they're very different characters, but they're both really great in that you can really see her versatility, which I think in her earlier career, there wasn't that much of a show of it but but these really give her more of a of a chance to shine and with Thelma in particular, because there are so many layers to thelma there's every time that you think you know something about this character, you discover something new about her. And it's exciting to watch. It is so exciting Mm -hmm. to watch her develop as the movie goes on. Because you don't think at the beginning... Because she she seems like the very victim lady type in the beginning of the movie. Where, oh no, Thelma's in peril. Oh no, we have to save her. Oh, she's gotten herself into a gem. Here comes Louise to save her. And it's not. That's not how, how that works out. As we get to the end, like Sasha was saying, there's that reversal... Where Thelma is the one coming up with the plan and Thelma is the one leading mm-hmm. the charge. And Louise, as the movie goes on, she comes to trust Thelma more. And to to which is and here's another important thing is that Louise comes to realize that she, no, she's not alone in this. She's not the only person going through something right there. She's not the only person who has all of this. Not to say that all of it that she that she's the only person who has something at stake, but that she's not alone in this fear and in and in this wild ride. And Susan Sarandon plays all of those layers so beautifully because if you if you watch only the the first couple of scenes of the movie and then the last couple of scenes of the of the movie, you don't expect for them to have that progression. Because Louise becomes more vulnerable as the, the movie goes on and Thelma tuff, toughens up and it's done in a very credible way where mm-hmm. it doesn't feel forced. The whole thing feels so natural. And the fact that this movie is two hours at a time when movies were not necessarily this long. They were like maybe an hour and a half and that was pushing. It. It's like, oh, that's kind of a long movie. But it's a two hour movie and it earns every single minute of that two hours because you I, I don't think that, that you can cut out really okay maybe except for the the cyclists who blow smoke into the into the patrol car you know breathing holes that that was just hilarious but but i love was, that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so it's like yeah but as far as like their development there's not a scene with them in there where it's not useful or necessary or wonderful at the end, uh, towards the end, when when Luis is talking to to Hal, the, the the police officer, and they're you know, they're kind of having like a bonding thing, and she's kind of letting him in a little bit more, and then Thelma's the one who goes and turns and clicks off mm-hmm. the phone, that really cements where they are in that moment. Luis is just kind of getting ready to give up, and she's tired of running, she's tired of all of this, and Thelma is like. No, I'm going to pick you up right now and I will carry you to the finish line. And you can't really buy into that without those performances. It's just, oh, good Lord. That's like, definitely, you know, if you're aspiring to be an actor or if you're aspiring to be a director, you want to watch what they do because they give you Mm -hmm. everything that you need to really, you know, think about how that came to be so perfect totally agree
2: yeah yeah Sasha I think Carla covered it for our our duo like just the amazingness of them but I want to talk about some of the supporting ones so because we all love Michael Madsen his character Jimmy first of all yes super happy to not see him be creepy bad guy you know like reservoir dogs will that scene will forever be ingrained in my brain, stuck in the middle with you. Every time I hear that song, it's all I can see. But I I, I love him in how he's trying to help. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, I'll send it to the Western Union. It's going to be under peaches because I, I miss know, my peaches. So and I was like, oh. And then she shows up and she's like, well, try peaches. He's like, did somebody say peaches? Because he's (laughs) there, right? Like he is genuinely invested, wants to know she's okay. And his performance, like he nails it. Even when he gets Mm -hmm. upset and trashes the table, it's like out of frustration for the level that he cares for her. So I think that his performance was excellent. Like I loved him. And then our dear sweet officer... Um, Harvey Keitel, I love him too. I love that he's so invested in these women and trying to bring them in safely. Like he wants to hear their story. He knows they've been through a lot. He's really on their side, which I think at that moment in time, and even to a degree now is not how that works. You know, he's like, something went down, you know, and, yeah, there was a murder, but it looks like there was something else at play. Like, he knows that something mm-hmm. else is going on and he is trying to talk to them and trying to convince them when they show up, you know, at that final scene, and he's like, what are you doing? Like, why are all of these guns? What you, What is wrong with you? He is genuinely in it and his performance is just, I love him, too. You know, I just, I think that he was great and can I say Baby Brad Pitt just one more time, <laughs> just for fun?
1: I'm mean, like you you must.
2: I don't know what it is. It's a
1: problem. <laughs> well, it's I'm sorry, but like, problem. You just look at those abs. Oh, I know. It's With, his and, lips, and when his, and, but
0: his when his jeans are yeah, unbuttoned the v- and oh my god. <laughs>
1: that oh my god and i I was reading an an article earlier about how you know this marks a a a change in the lusting after men of film because you come off a very beefy era with you know stallone and schwarzenegger Mm -hmm. and just like big bulky dudes and those are your sexy sex symbols and those are your action stars and then you start to shift to slider guys who are lean and their their muscles aren't For use, they're for show, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and that I think that's like part of that appeal. It's that he's just really, really pretty to look at. Yeah, not to mention the fact that he 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 doesn't steal the scenes because I I just think that like the other actors just please (laughs) come on, (laughs) but he definitely leaves an impression. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not just not just in the other... I'll oh, shut up.
0: No, no. I mean, and he did for a long time. This is what launched him, his career, really, was this role. And it's not like he has much character depth, not very much development at all. He's just there totally for eye candy, which is so nice to see, honestly, to see more of that. It's so yeah, nice zero to complaints. See Yeah, exactly. More of that, please, Hollywood. Uh, but yeah, yeah. And I just want to say with with the Michael Madsen character really quickly, what I my favorite line between the two of them is when she's asking him, you know, about the first time they met and what did you first say to me? And you know, he said that you have beautiful eyes. And then when she's closed her eyes and said, you know, he couldn't remember her color. And then when she does it again and she's like puts her hands over his eyes and asks, and he knows her eye color, and then she kisses him. And it's so sweet because you I mean it's just so genuine and and what's nice about him is, you know, he they could have easily made him very angry and the anger wouldn't have been justified. And he's just frustrated because he loves her so much and he knows she's in trouble.
1: And the way yeah. that he says brown. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Brown eyes. It's like brown, like, like he's sighing mm-hmm. over her beautiful eyes. And I, like my insides melted because I was like, and listen, I'm I'm a happily married person who has a <laughs> husband who is loving and he compliments me all the time and stuff. But I'm like, do you hear that? Do you hear that? The way that he says the word brown, like his whole soul is in that one word. It's true. Where is that in my life? <laughs> I'm, with you, I'm with you, Carla. I'm
2: with you.
0: I just love that. We love him because I was like, I was like, I wonder if anybody else on this panel is going to like Michael Madsen because, (laughs) but yeah, I think, uh, I think Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon are two of the best actresses around. Yes. Susan Sarandon, personally, there are issues galore with her, but, but she is an amazing, outstanding actress. And the one thing is that a lot of times she's not allowed the freedom. She is more now because she's older, and so of course older actresses aren't as desired in Hollywood. But she's not; a for- she wasn't afforded the opportunity a lot to be emotional and be vulnerable. She was always the tough woman. That was the character she always played. And Louise, like I said, is very tough on the outside, but she's got so much vulnerability inside. I mean, I guess in Rocky Horror, she's a very vulnerable character in Rocky Horror, but that's totally different. Um, But, you know, you'll see little, little, little minute details she does where, you know, little glimpses, little things in her eyes change. Like just when she shoots Harlan, just that little, little switch in her eye. And you can even see fear there and sorrow and anger. And then like, of course the amazing scene with the trucker, when they pull the trucker over is one of, of course the most iconic scenes in movie history. And just even her looks there and the way her and Gina Davis are in that scene is so wonderful because they're so powerful, but they're, it's not this fake power. It's this real power where they've found within themselves. And I think their performances, like you said, Carla, should be studied for years and years and years. And they're just they're just so incredible. And I think what Gina Davis has done outside of this with her whole um, institute, Gina Davis Institute and all that stuff is really incredible. And I know that, you know, I think she's probably I mean, I th- she's said that, you know, it was hard for her to find roles that were great like this or like in. A league of their own or anything like that, where it was a lot more offerings that weren't in line with this. So, and it's sad because if you watch her in this, she's so good. She's so layered and she goes from this character that is broken to this character that becomes strong through events that might not have made others strong And you watch her basically come out of her shell like she's always been that person. And she's just coming out and coming. It's like being reborn, really, is what's happening to her. And Gina Davis plays it so perfectly, just so perfectly. And she becomes, I think, both of them become more beautiful as the movie goes on, just because they're so beautiful together. And I think the performances make their characters even more beautiful and make that... And I'm I'm not just talking physical, just everything all around. They're just beautiful. And it is two of the best female performances ever on screen. Ever, ever. There is not a false moment. There is not a single moment where you see any acting. And I think everybody, for the most part, is good in this cast. I do. I think everybody's good. And I do appreciate, I want to say about the Harvey Keitel character, I always will appreciate, and we'll talk about the ending, that he didn't become the hero of this movie. And he very easily could have become the hero of this movie. And in other movies, he would be the hero of this movie. And so it's very nice to see that. And it's also nice to see, like that's been mentioned before that Thelma is not the damsel in distress and there is no damsel in distress ever in this movie ever. I mean, the cop is the closest thing to somebody in distress who's because like, he's locked in there. Nobody will help them. And yes, you could cut that scene out with the bike rider, but I was like, Oh yeah, this is a scene where he blows the smoke. In the hole. <laughs> I just thought that was pretty great, <laughs> but you could easily cut that. But yeah. Yeah. And I want to say that, and I know Sasha and I were talking about this on Facebook. I used to go on road trips all the time and I want to ask really quickly and then we'll get back to the other stuff any crazy road trip story that you have. I meant to add this to the outline and I'll tell you everybody kind of mine, but do you have any crazy road trip stories?
1: I mean, I was a really, really tame person, so like nothing super bananas and amazing where I'm like, well, let me tell you about this time about me and one truck driver that should be rena- remain nameless because I never <laughs> got his name. Maybe um, Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been. Could have been. Well, that would have been really creepy, but <laughs> my, um, also he's not my type. But okay, we're not here to talk about that though. Relationships. Well, I I had this one friend who we used to to just drive around. She and I both love driving around, and we went to the to the west coast of Florida this one time, and we would. So we we drove there. We 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 drove to Orlando, which is just north of us, basically like this little triangle. And we got lost a couple of times, but it was fine. It was a lot of fun. Um, we raced the, the gas tank on the way home because at that point there's this road called called Alligator Alley that cuts across south west to east and back Florida. And Back then, you know, like thirty, no, no, not thirty, but like twenty something years ago, it was like, okay, here's the last gas station before however many miles. Get gas now, or good luck. And we forgot, <laughs> so we were just like running on a on on a prayer to get back. But mostly, the, the memories from that are just us having such a good time, blasting music. She would flirt with with random guys. I'm not a flirter. I I'm a just kind of like sit there and stare at you until you get really uncomfortable. Err, <laughs> but you know, random snacks, making um, the basis for inside jokes. We we just had we 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 had like such a nice time being just carefree and just feeling like like grown ups because we were, you know in our late teens, early twenties. And it just, this was like transitioning into adulthood and this is like our first taste of real freedom and, and, and everything. So that, that was um, as much as I don't miss her, I I do miss that feeling, that feeling Mm -hmm. of just picking up going not a care in the world and just enjoying a good drive with a friend. Yeah. And Sasha, I know you go on road trips, Every year
0: you and your husband go on road trips every year.
2: But. Yeah. So my husband and I are both school teachers. So we have summers off. It's one of the perks of being a teacher and you really need it. Cause let me tell you, <laughs> <laughs> we earn that summer. Um, so we do like, we call them our Epic road trips. And it was a couple of years ago we hit Mexico and Canada in the same road trip. We also made it all the way to Miami. And from Miami to Niagara Falls, which is how we hit Canada. It was like 20 some states. But I'm the person who likes, like, let's go find the biggest ball of twine. Largest cherry pie I'm in. Like all of that roadside Americana. I love all of that. And so we've had some pretty good, my husband and I have had some really good road trips. Uh, But I have a good road trip story that does not involve him. It is pre-husband. A friend and I, I've got two of them. A friend and I were... Another epic road trip. We were doing like the Pacific Northwest and her car broke down. We were in like Vancouver car broke down, got a new water pump. Everything was fine. Come back driving down. And we were going to do the entire Pacific coast highway. And we broke down in Susanville, California, which is a place that only exists because somebody's wagon wheel broke and they got stuck and developed a town. We got a tow truck that towed us to Reno, Nevada, because they would tow hundred miles before you had to pay. And so we're like, what's the next major city. So we got towed to Reno, Nevada. We tried to convince the tow truck driver to drive us all the way back to Denver, but he wouldn't. Um, <laughs> and got the car fixed in <laughs> Reno. So that was kind of one of those, what are we doing? Like, this is insane. What is happening? And then the other one is I had my, one of my best friends from high school had moved to Texas. She was living in Austin, Another friend from high school, he and I were going down to visit. And this was a summer where I think I drove to Austin, I don't know, like three or four times. I, I got that drive down to an obscenely short amount of time. And I won't tell people how long, because then you'll do the math and somebody will come after me. Um, but his car <laughs> also had a problem. And we figured out that if you pull over for the entire length of a cigarette, the car would cool back down. And then we could keep going. On the way home, however, it completely overheated to the point where we were like, all right, we had a cigarette, we put a gallon of water in it, and it's still running real hot. So we pulled the thermostat, because if you pull the thermostat, the car can't overheat. It just tells you, like, it won't let you overheat. (laughs) We ended up stopping because the car we were like we're never gonna make it we're in the middle of nowhere texas nowhere ended up having to get a hotel for the night because we just we couldn't we had to stop things were getting bad walked in and the air conditioning unit was duct taped to the wall oh, God. the bathroom sink was full because it wouldn't drain it was one of those like you sleep on top of the covers and you don't really sleep and you're like i'm gonna die this is this is where my <laughs> life ends right here in this motel in the middle of nowhere. So I think that was my scariest, like road trip experience. Most of them have been fantastic. I've got a ton, but I'll just leave it there. (laughs) That is amazing. That was cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I miss going on road trips. I used to go on a road trip every year I'd go and usually I'd go to California was where I'd go. That's my usual route. We one time went to Rhode Island when my my sister went to college there for a little bit. And so we drove her out there, a bunch of us, and went there. But uh, usually it would be going to the West Coast because also because it's the ocean and I'm an ocean girl. I love the ocean so much. I wish Colorado had ocean. <laughs> That's the one thing it's missing. But probably the craziest one, just because this is before you had cell phones all the time and My friend and I, we were roommates at the time. This was just out of high school and we were living in Boulder and I was like working at Blockbuster and she worked in a movie theater and stuff. And we took this time, we were just going to go to New Mexico. So we went to Taos. We stayed there and I, next day we go, let's drive to Santa Fe. Went to Santa Fe and we're like, you know what? Let's just go to California. And we had to be back. Okay. We had to be back within 48 hours, within like about, within 48 hours, I had to be at work is really what it was. So <laughs> so we grabbed a map because you didn't have Google Maps. You had to get an actual map. And we grabbed a map. We called um we called someone just to I don't know if we called our parents or someone on a payphone because you didn't have cell phones and said we're going to Arizona or something and we didn't tell anybody where we were going which was not smart because something could have easily happened. And, you know, so we drove, didn't sleep. We drove straight through from Santa Fe, went to, got into LA in the middle of the night or something, drove up the Pacific Coast Highway. Okay. Cause so I think we actually, I remember that town very well. Went up there, got into, I think it was like, oh, I can't remember where, really early in the morning, went to the beach. We didn't stop and sleep at all. We just kept switching who would drive, drove all the way up to San Francisco and then drove all the way down on I-80, hit a huge snowstorm in Wyoming where it was like so bad that it's amazing we survived, honestly. And I remember driving at one point and looking over and we're in the middle of the desert. I think this is before the snowstorm. We're in the middle of the desert in Nevada. And I look over and I'm like, Oh, it's like in the middle of the night and there's a guy climbing a mountain. There was no mountain. There was no guy because I hadn't had any sleep in hours and days. I was hallucinating people. I was hallucinating trucks. I was hallucinating things. So it's not a good idea to do this, everybody. But it was so much fun. I remember we stopped at a pizza hut in some desert town in California. And we just stopped at some random pizza hut. We were like the only people there. And it was just this random thing of just let's just do this. Let's not tell anybody about it. We get back, and I had to go right to work. So I went to work when we got back, and I hadn't slept at all. I have never been so tired. I don't think, but and I, of course I was hallucinating. So I was like, was, I'll never forget that looking over and going, "Why is that guy climbing a mountain in the middle of the night?"
1: That is there's, amazing and terrifying. No
0: Yep, yep. Lots of. And I, I did that a couple of times where we would go and we would drive to California, but we wouldn't drive all the way back, but we would drive and not stop anywhere. So I've had that happen. I had one time where we were driving back from California and we were driving um, through the Arizona route back because it was like winter times. So we thought this will be a lot better if we drive through here and we got caught in a snowstorm in Flagstaff, like the biggest snowstorm they had had in a long time. And so we had to get off the highway and that was pretty scary because they shut the highway down, but luckily we got a nice hotel. So we did not, get to- <laughs> we did not get stuck in a place like you did Sasha. Oh so sure. Brag very-
2: about your great hotel experiences.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was very lucky. We were just really, and we were lucky we got a place cause there were so many people stranded and yeah, I, but I miss road trips. I still m- want to someday take a road trip, that's a music themed road trip, just visiting different spots that are musical in some capacity. Cause I just, I, I used to just love to drive. I think it's harder to drive now, but I used to just love to just get in the car. I would get in the car and just drive in the middle of the night, just around, just go places. And, you know, didn't even know where I was going. And I I miss, I miss doing that, but I can't, I, It doesn't appeal to me as much anymore. That's the sad part, except for road trips appeal to me, but not the just randomly driving around. Okay, so back to the movie here. So, of course, this was directed by a man, which I have to say, watching it now, I was even a little bit shocked by that. Even now, even though I knew it was directed by, even though I know that, it's still at the same time, you're kind of like, wait a minute, a man directed this and there's no like weird, weirdness to it there's nothing where you go okay you can tell I mean you can tell but I mean there's nothing like where you go if this had been directed by a woman it would have been a hundred times better there's nothing like that at least to me so what did you think of the direction of, of how what did you think of Ridley Scott, Scott's direction
1: I was oh. really impressed I yeah. mean and like I've said before you know I'm not very knowledgeable about directing in the first place so my opinion is like a cows opinion it's moo But thank you, Joey Tribbiani, for that beautiful line that will stay with me forever. But yeah, I, I I had to keep checking also because I was like, wait, wait, I don't remember this being directed by a woman. Let me let me check yeah. again. Oh, yeah. And then you get to the end and you're like, wait, wait, it's still not directed by a woman? As if back in time, like, you know, <laughs> they just it just suddenly shifted and I'm in a new timeline mm-hmm. where it was directed by a woman because the only kind of male gazey thing in it is when uh when Thelma is on the bed with JD but even in that it's not really male gazey because it's a sex scene and they're both under mm-hmm. that same scope of like sexy bodies being sexy so it, it didn't even feel like fortuitous or out of place and like I said earlier you know with the performances you're blessed with an amazing cast of actors who can do a whole, a whole hell of a lot, um, probably under even worse, under terrible directors, but you still need a a director to kind of make all of that work well. And yeah, he really pulled it off and it was just very impressive. I did read this one, um, this one piece in which Susan Sarandon was mentioning that, an idea that was being floated around by Ridley Scott is that as they're driving towards the cliff that Louise pushes Thelma out of the car. Yeah, And how, Mm -hmm. you know, they had like 20 minutes to film. It was the last um, shoot, the the last part being filmed of the entire film and that they decided to nix that and just go with it as it was written. And I mean, like I really could have tanked the movie if it had ended the other way. If it had built up to all of that and she kicks Thelma mm-hmm. out of the car and yeah, Thelma gets to live, but she has to go back to Daryl or she has to go to jail because she's the one who's been pulling out her gun left and right. That would have really sucked. And I'm glad that, that it didn't go that way. But yeah, those are all of my notes on direction and directing and Ridley <laughs> <at least> Scott. <laughs>
0: Oh, well, and, and that also would have left her with so much guilt. Oh my gosh. I mean, that oh, yeah. Guilt, Thelma would have oh. had. Oh, that it's, would have been. Talk yeah. about Survivor's mm-hmm. Guilt? Yeah, I remember reading that too and going, that would have been just terrible. I do want to say it was written by a woman. Just sorry I didn't mention that. But yeah, yes. it was written by a woman, just so that everybody knows. Which <laughs> yeah, is pretty awesome. Too. She was nominated for an Oscar, I believe, for the. I believe so. I'll look it up right now. But. And then, Sasha, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Ditto. I got. I got nothing. I can add nothing. I'm just gonna ditto it all over the place and just yeah. say, "Baby Brad Pitt." I I got nothing.
0: Baby Brad
2: Pitt. I just love how much Baby Brad Pitt has come up. It's pretty incredible. Um, yeah. I'm I don't looking- know what else to call him. I can't actually call him like Brad Pitt because he's not. He's the baby version. It's the the, the baby for. I don't. I. Because now talking. he's definitely not a baby. No, <laughs> but it's like, uh, yeah. I did not know about the plan to push Thelma out of the car like I hadn't. That would have ruined the entire movie. I think that would have just destroyed everything. So I'm glad that that didn't happen.
1: Can you just imagine, like, we would be talking about movies that were ruined by terrible writing and directing choices in the very, very last (sighs) moment of the film. It would be
2: heartbreaking because the rest of this movie is so good. To have mm-hmm. it destroyed in the last forty-five seconds would just be like, "Are you kidding me?"
0: Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, and what that would have done to Thelma would have been so oh. unfair. It would
1: have been so unfair to her. And and see, I I think you know back the first time that I watched it was obviously like a bazillion years ago since the movie is five hundred thousand million years old, but back then you know I I really wanted them to survive and and that was because. I didn't want to lose these characters that I had become so attached to. Mm-hmm. even though I know that if it had turned out a different way, I would not have been as happy with the movie on the whole. I wouldn't have have fallen in love with the movie the way that I did. So yeah, younger me, you make terrible ideas, and I'm glad that you never uh, that nobody ever listened to you back then about movies and writing them.
0: <laughs> and this did win best screenplay, by the way. So that I think that was like the only one it won was screenplay because it was nominated. Both Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon were nominated, and Ridley Scott was nominated for best director, and I think it was nominated for best picture. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't nominated for best picture, but it was nominated for editing. Cinema. It was nominated for everything but best picture as far as the big ones go. That's interesting. Um, well, not supporting actor or supporting actress, but still. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think Ridley Scott is a very talented director. I don't like everything he's done, but I think he's a really adept director. He, uh, I, I don't know what he's like. I haven't read too much about what he's like to work with. As far as like, I've, I haven't read any. I haven't read any bad actor stories, um, like any bad experiences actors have had with him. But he usually tends to get together a cast that is probably a director's dream anyway, and probably makes his job that much easier uh, because the director's job is very hard and I'm sure that makes it really easy but I do appreciate that you know even with his idea of the ending he never took this script he could have easily taken the script and been like okay I'm gonna make it more manly or I'm gonna make it more uh titillating to men or I'm gonna make it appeal to men more I'm gonna cut out a lot of these kind of scenes, or I'm going to make, I'm going to shoot it a lot more from the male gaze. And it really isn't shot from the male gaze. In my opinion, even like you said, Carla, even in the sex scene, even though you have the brief moment where you see Gina Davis and you see her just in her panties and you see, but it's so brief and it's not in this way that's gratuitous. It's in this way that it makes sense. And it's also in this way where instantly right after that, you see Brad Pitt kissing her and kissing. And it's like, it's more, from this titillating thing for the woman than it is for a man. And for a man to shoot a movie like that, a white man, to shoot, <laughs> a white straight man to shoot a movie like that is pretty.
1: I know. It's like what?
0: That's that's pretty. Yeah, for him to say let's shoot it like this. That's pretty incredible. So really big thumbs up and congratulations to him for that because that's just Back then, that was even more unheard of than it is now. Thanks,
1: Ridley Scott, for not being that guy.
0: Yeah, thank you, Ridley Scott. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's great. I think the script is great. And it's great to have a woman write a script like this and have it get made and have it get handled with such care and love and all of that. And that's what's so great and so rare. And I don't know how their working relationship was, but I do think that's really nice to have seen that. So yeah. Yeah. So I think it's really well directed. And once again, it's just the fact that it's not directed from a male gaze is amazing. And the, also the fact that he didn't feel the need to, I think some directors might've felt the need to make them more, to make Thelma and Louise as it became more, as it, you know, cause there's action movie elements to this, of course. And so I think there could have been the temptation to I don't know make them more i don't know how to say this not manly isn't the right word but to make them more like like all of a sudden they're action heroes right like more Tomb
1: later than yes
0: thank you than That's, women yeah. on the run mm-hmm. yeah and i really appreciate that he didn't do that too because that could have been easy to do as well okay well let's talk about the ending um and of course as everyone knows because you know i don't care if we're spoiling this i mean this movie is 30 years old Oh, it's on you if you don't know, and I'm sure you know anyway, because this <laughs> is this ending is referenced everywhere. So, of course, in the end, they end up driving off a cliff together, um, instead of getting caught because they're being surrounded and they just keep going, like
1: like Thelma says, let's keep going. So, Carla, what are your thoughts on the ending? It's so heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking because they end up feeling cornered, they they feel like they there's nowhere else to go. Um Thelma, her only choices are Daryl or prison, really. Um, Or at least that's how she probably felt. Because we know that she probably had other options, but that's not how it felt to her at the the moment. Mm -hmm. Louise, she was already running from whatever it was that happened in Texas. And it seemed like just from the bits that we glean that she had to defend herself In Texas, also, and that she was on on the run on the run from whatever happened in Texas because she was sexually assaulted, and she and she defended herself. So you know, I I often think like, is her name even Louise? You know, like what of this person do we really even know? Because they're just there's just so much mystery surrounding the whole Texas thing, and she, I think, even more feels like. What? why would I expect things to get any better at this point? You know, like my life is already pretty awful. This way I get to go out on my terms with somebody who loves me next to me. And so that in its own way is more of that empowerment. It's a tragic kind of empowerment, but it is something when it comes to Everything dealing with depression and, and suicide and and all of that, I, I don't think that it that it's exploitative in, in, in that mm-hmm. sense at all. I, I don't think that it's making it seem like, oh, depressed people, this is where they end up. You know, if they if you have PTSD, well, you know, get you a car and drive off a cliff. Because that's not at all what it is. It's just it's very clear that for these two women, this particular situation, this is where they found themselves and this is where things ended up for them. But that they go, that they get to go out holding hands, knowing that somebody is there for you, so somebody is going through the same things that you're going through, that you have a shared history and a lot of love between the two of you. Honestly, that's, there are there are worse ways to go. I just I, I can't imagine what their lives would have been like if they had survived. I can't imagine their lives being easy or good. And definitely, if Thelma had made it out alive and Louise hadn't, she would. I don't think she could have ever gotten over that guilt and that um, that awful feeling of, you know, like, oh my God, I caused this. You know, if I hadn't done this, if I hadn't done that, that that unending cycle of of um, of beating up on yourself. I I just it's and it it all constantly makes me choke up when I see it, I mean, when I, when I just think about it, I can turn it off, but it, if I'm actually watching it, you can't look away from it. And that that it goes from the car jumping off the cliff to the earlier scenes of them just having a mm-hmm. good time. Oh man, talk about pouring salt on the wound, you know, but it, it's perfect. It's exactly what that moment needs because if we're just them driving off a cliff and um, not going back to those scenes it would be easier to forget that these were wonderful humans who had hope at one point. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Thank you for kicking my heart in the pants, I guess.
0: (laughs) And Sasha.
2: I mean, again, ditto, like it's the perfect end. It's, you know, they didn't, they were put into the most ridiculous situation that they couldn't get out of. And even if they got out of it, it was not going to end well them. The alternatives were not great. So just to watch them in that moment make the choice, you know, like, what are we doing? You know, what, how is this going to go is just heartbreaking. I did. I cried this afternoon when I watched I was like, oh, mm-hmm. ah, ah. you know, it's just, oh, ah. And watching, you know, Harvey Keitel run after them, like, no, stop, don't, like, wait, we can fix this. And you're right, like you said earlier, Aaron, like, he was trying, you know, they were, there was that moment where he could have been the hero and saved everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that it didn't go that route. I'm glad that they both stayed in the car and nobody was pushed out of the car. And... Yeah, so that, it was just, it was a lot, yeah. But it was, it's how it needed to end, right? If it had ended any other way, I, I don't know that we would have the same love for the movie and be talking about it still. If it had ended with them getting arrested and going to jail or going to trial or whatever, we'd just be like, okay, it's just another movie and we would not be having this conversation 30 years later
0: hmm. No, I agree. I think it's one of the best endings of any movie ever, even though it is heartbreaking and it's sad. I still think it's one of the best endings ever. And if, and I cried, too. I cried this afternoon watching it and then decided I would go ahead and watch Into the Wild and cry more. So <laughs> that's just me. But, yeah, it's it's perfect. And I think what also makes it perfect is you never see the car crash into the canyon you never actually see them die even though you know they die but you never have that gratuitous moment where you see their bodies or you see somebody discover it which would have just ruined the movie too and even though it's heartbreaking and it's sad that it came to that and that they they died and that they felt like that's what they had to do it's still in this way and this is in no way saying that I'm not saying at all that suicide should be glorified or anything like that, but there's an empowerment in what they did in that they chose what was going to happen. They chose their life, what was going to happen to them in that moment, because the only other option honestly would have been, they would have been sent to prison for a long time, or they would have been shot. I mean, they would have been killed. So I think they, they chose what they were going to do up to the very end. And I think that's what's so powerful about that uh i you know i I do wonder if this movie was made today like if it had never been made before if there would be any changes to that and they try and make it a more hopeful thing but probably i would hope they wouldn't in a way because i think it still works today i don't find it like something where i would need a different ending and yeah seeing all of the memories of them before that is makes it even sadder But it is better to end that way, to have the last shot you see of them, of them smiling. Really, that makes it better. And once again, the fact that we never see their bodies, we never see them actually die is such a perfect decision. Because if you had seen that, that would have just been like, what are you doing? This would have been been awful. And again, also, if Thelma had been pushed from the car, that would have been awful because that would have just, it would have just ruined it. Well,
1: all of it, you know, this movie is so much about choice and yes. making mm-hmm. these choices yeah. and decisions. If you had stripped that power of choice from Thelma, it would have undercut everything yeah. from before. And with choice comes consequences. And they've already, in, in this movie, they don't really face consequences. They face the possibility of, of consequences. Mm-hmm. So when they go off the cliff and you don't see the car exploding, you don't see the bodies afterwards. It's in the same theme with the rest of it, because logically you know what happens, but it's still left in your mind that it's still a possibility of the consequence of their choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it would have been, it, it would have been just another moment of gratuitous violence for the sake of it. Just like the decision could have been made easily to have, the sex scene um, between Thelma and JD be more steamy, be more... And it was steamy enough, but it could have been very different because in that scene, he's not dominating her. She's letting him do something, and she's the one really in control. So this, again, this ending, not gratuitous, it's perfect because it's back to who they were in happier times. And it, it reminds you how quickly things devolved. And it's just like the perfect way to end it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And and that's, sorry, Sasha, go ahead.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I was going to say, when you were talking about if they were to remake it today, how the ending could be different. And the only thing I want to throw out there is if, if it were made today and they left everything the same and ended at the exact same, what would happen is after all the fabulous pictures fade to black and you would have... If you are feeling suicidal or you know somebody who is, and then they would give you one 800 273 8255 That's what would happen.
0: That's true. That's that's a very good point.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And there because that's what they do now.
0: Yeah. And there would be a lot of like I'm gonna re-record trigger warnings for the episode. Yeah. Would have had trigger warnings because when you went into this movie, you didn't know that. You didn't know they Mm -hmm. were going to unless you had gotten spoiled somehow, but this right. was before internet. So you wouldn't have known that they were going to fly off the cliff. Um, you wouldn't have known that stuff. No. Yeah. They,
2: yeah, w- they might've put cool. in a warning for like domestic violence support hotlines now. Right. So they would have done the suicide hotline. They would have done domestic violence supports and sexual assault. Yeah. They that's would have given you all the resources point. at the end if they were going to make it. Exact same, like change nothing. It's just as soon as they fade to black before the credits roll, they would give you those support hotlines.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to add quickly about the sex scene. One other thing I didn't I didn't say with that whole thing of him not dominating her. It's so important that he didn't dominate her because she's already been through an attempted rape. And if they had shown another sex scene where it was something where she desired him and he dominated her, it would have been so awful and in bad taste. So that's another reason that sex scene is so good. That's one of the best sex scenes in a movie, really, honestly, uh, because there is so much control. The, the It's very much a consensual thing. Like, it's beyond consensual. So it's just, that is so amazing. And so, yeah, yeah, shout out to that again. But, yeah, the ending is just absolutely Perfect. I wouldn't change a thing about the ending. I really wouldn't change a thing about this movie. To be honest, I can't think of anything I would honestly change, uh, which is pretty remarkable. So, yeah, I'm glad that I. You can buy this movie, everybody. You can buy this movie for five dollars on Amazon
1: <laughs> which is exactly what I did. I was like, this that's, is what I yeah. that's
2: what I did too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, like, huh? Yeah, that's yeah. Movie. I bought it on Vudu. Same thing. Same five thing. Bucks. Yeah, I was like, wait, so
0: I'd pay $4 to rent it. Yep. And then $5 to own it?
1: (laughs) This is mine forever now.
0: I know. know. Okay, last thing I want to just touch on, and we've kind of touched on a little bit, is when this movie came out, and there's a documentary that I highly, highly recommend everyone watch called This Changes Everything. And it was a documentary that uh, Gina Davis produced and helped put out, and I saw it in 2019 the end of 2019. And it's all about the fact that, you know, she made it because when she made Thelma Weeds when this came out, a lot of people said, this changes everything. There's going to be more women, you know, centered films like this. There's going to be more women in, in films that are, where they're not just there to help the man or the man doesn't, it doesn't, the story doesn't revolve around the man and they're just there or more fleshed out characters, more stuff for them to do. And it didn't, of course. And that's what that documentary is about. And of course, Gina Davis started the Gina Davis Institute, which studies media, including cartoons and all forms of media for representation. Um, And they, you know, have everything against the Bechtel test and everything like that, too. So I just big shout out to Gina Davis because it's amazing. I mean, it's not just her doing it. Of course, she has people working with her, but just huge shout out to her for that. So of course this didn't change everything and we are still striving and still working hard. So what are your thoughts on that, Carla, on the fact that, you know, we still 30 years later.
1: (laughs) It is still unbelievably sad. Like it's, it's sad and it's frustrating and more frustrating than sad at this point because I'm at the point where I'm just angry about, (laughs) about it. You know, there's no reason why, we should still be fighting for representation in pretty much any, anything, you know, when it comes to movies about women, we're still often fighting the same battles of, okay, well, she's still, you know, we still see a lot of damsels in distress. We still see a lot of, of women who are, play they, they play against the man in a way such that the, the man is the, the alpha of the movie and the woman is just there to kind of second guess him until she gets on board and then they boink. And then at the end she throws us some witty reply and like, that's her feminism showing. And it's, Oh my God. It's a constant struggle because anytime that a movie like the man, Louise comes along and shakes the table, there's so much pushback. That we end up back where we were before that. And that's not going to change anytime soon because the people at the top are still primarily cis hetero white men. And until that changes, we can't really expect there to be lasting change in anything. You know, we, there needs to be representation in every aspect of everything to do with filmmaking film distribution because that's another issue you know like okay you can make a movie if you want but who's gonna distribute it for you if some random dude decides mm, that's very niche i don't think mm-hmm. that would we can sell it to the mainstream audience which is cis hetero white men and suddenly brilliant idea is for not so while i do think that there have been strides made in the fact that women were able to be seen as viable action heroes and viable physical stunt kind of thing or whatever there's still a lot of progress to be made and it's still sad that there that the progress that has been made is not honestly all that great yeah and sasha i ditto
2: I mean it's heartbreaking that we're still like hey it's been 30 years nothing's changed
1: mm-hmm.
2: it it hasn't I think we have well that's not true some things have changed I do think that we have more uh, female maybe that's not true we would have to google that more female directors and female like led movies maybe mm-hmm. Then 30 years ago? Maybe a little bit, but it's still... But not, And not, it's not, not not significant. Yeah. I know it's funny because Carla's talking about female action heroes and all I can think of is, and I'm going to blank on her name and people are going to pull my geek card from me, uh, Terminator. Um, oh, Sarah Connor? Yeah. What is that actress's name? Though? Um, Linda Hamill. That's it. You know, that was the first thing when Carla said, like, you know, female action heroes, that was the first thought I had. And I was like, look, we have.
0: Oh, and she also has bipolar. I just want to say, because I yeah. say okay. it's because I always admire when there are people who are. Able right. To
2: die, so mm-hmm. it's just I don't know. It's frustrating. It's heartbreaking. It's annoying. It's really just annoying. Like, why? Why are we still here? Why are we still, and all representation. Like, why are we still, how is this still a thing? How? 30 years later, how is this still a thing? We're not, we can't progress. We're stuck. It's like we're paddling upstream with no paddles. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't have a fix. I don't have a fix. I don't even know where to begin to fix, you know. I I don't have phenomenal cosmic powers. Otherwise, I would bippity boppity boo a lot of people. But I can't do that.
0: Yeah, I think this is kind of the theme of this year on this podcast. It's not every episode, but it's a running theme. I mean, we've talked about it, you know, even in American Psycho, we talked about it because we talked about how important it was that that movie was directed by a woman, but how hard that was to have that happen, the fact that it was directed and written by women. And I mean, even with this one, you look at and even though we have applauded Ridley Scott at the same time, I wonder if there was a push to even have a woman direct this. And you would hope that in today it would be, and it probably would be directed by Catherine Bigelow because she does a lot of action. And, you know, I really don't think there's been much progress because even though there is progress in certain areas, I mean, you just recently, you look at the Academy Awards and you had Catherine Bigelow was the first woman to ever win best director when she won for the Hurt Locker. But in order for a woman to win a best, and I'm not taking away because I wanted her to win. I love that movie, despite my now hatred for Jeremy Renner. I do love that movie. I adore that movie. I think it's one of the best war movies ever made. And I think it's a great examination of the psyche and everything like that. I mean, I could honestly do a whole episode on that movie. It would be hard because I because I wouldn't want to applaud the performance, but I would applaud the performance. But in order for a woman to win best director, she had to direct a movie that um, is thought of as a man's movie because there were no there there was only like really a couple of women in that movie period, but it was also an action movie. So the fact that she was directing a genre that people think of as being male made it not easier, but it made it, I think, easier for some to accept that, okay, we can reward this one. And then this year, of course, you you had uh, Chloe Chow. But you had her win for Nomadland, which, of course, that's not an action movie at all. That's like the furthest thing from an action movie. I love that movie, but it's really far from an action movie. But you had her win. And then you also, um, of course, had um, Emerald Fennell nominated for Promising Young Woman. So you did have two women nominated, which it should have been three. Regina King should have been nominated, too. But the fact that that was twelve years later, and then you have a woman win and two women be nominated, is just mind blowing. The fact that you had Emerald Fennell win and that was the first time a woman had won in for forever for, for his best. It could have even been, I don't remember if Thelma and Louise was the last time. I don't think it was, but it was. It had been a long time since a woman had won best screenplay. Um, you have at the academy awards you also had where you had this whole buildup where they could have also it could have and they would have been all deserved it wins they could have had every single win in the acting category go to a person of color every single acting win and then up and then they had the supporting actor wins be that way and then it was like nope boom we're just gonna Take that away and do just and I'm not trying to dismiss those performances. I'm just saying that it's just more of the same. It's like here, we're just gonna hand out this tokenism. It's it's just like, okay, we're gonna be like here, you get this token, and yeah, we're doing better and we're improving. So now you can give us a pat on the back, and then it'll just go back to the same thing. Like when Moonlight won for best picture which was sadly overshadowed by, you know, Warren Beatty's mistake there of reading La La Land. That was a remarkable win. That was amazing because of the fact that it was a movie that was an independent movie. It was a movie where there wasn't, correct me if I'm wrong, a single white person in that whole entire cast the fact that it was also about um, a black man coming to terms with his sexuality was, which isn't something you see very often Um, the fact that it was such an independent movie too. And it was so centered on a black experience that wasn't about slavery and that it won best picture is remarkable, but then you have green book win. So it's like you have all these steps and then they're like, here, we're just giving you this token and it's, being taken back and the reason I bring up the other things and not just women is because it's all the same thing it all plays into it because that whole system is run and controlled primarily by white cis men and in order for things to change the way things change is a couple of ways you get people uh you get women you get you get people of color you get lgbtq IA, everybody in there. You have to get representation of everybody. That's the only way things change because if you don't have that, things aren't going to happen. And it has to be representation everywhere. It can't just be in front of the camera. It can't just be that. It has to be everything, the grips. It has to be the producers. It has to be the studio heads. It has to be everything. Studio heads is very important. And the other thing is the pay disparity because it You know, of course, there was that Sony email hack and you saw the pay disparity and then seeing the reaction from different actors where when, for instance, when in American Hustle, when it was discovered that Bradley Cooper and Jeremy Renner's pay was substantially more than um, Jennifer Lawrence's pay. Okay, and then those two had two very different reactions to that. Jeremy Renner was like, that's I don't have anything to say in that. That has nothing to do with me. I'm like, B.S., you have power. You're a white, straight man. You have power in Hollywood. You can do something. And then on the flip side, you had Bradley Cooper say and I'm not I'm not trying to give Bradley Cooper big props here at all. I love Bradley Cooper, but I'm not trying to say like he's great because of this, because this is the least you can do is him saying, you know, well, no, then, then, you know, I should be committed to finding out where, and basically what he said is he was going to be committed to helping to fight his female fight with his female co-stars to make sure they got the same pay that he was making. And that's the way you should react. And so if all people reacted that way, that's how you make change. And the other way is us audience and members. That's how you also reflect change because Hollywood is a business first and foremost, you know, it's, it's that above art, it's a business. And so they listen to the dollars and where the dollars are. And while sometimes they do still ignore that, but if you go and you support things that are helping change that, and you go see those, even if they're smaller movies that you might not normally think you could, should see, if you go support that, then Hollywood will listen to that because that's what Hollywood listens to. They listen to money above everything else. So it's all about money in that whole town. Uh, you can be as much of an artist as you want to be, but if you're not viable financially, then they don't care as much about that. Um, so that's that's where you you who you, if you are not in that system, that's where you can help is your money, is putting your money where your mouth is kind of thing. And so seeking that stuff out. And I'm not saying you can't see like the latest Fast and the Furious movie or something like that. <laughs> I said that because I know Sasha loves those movies. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> and I love like I love Mission Impossible. I That's one of my favorite franchises. And I'm excited for the next Mission Impossible. And that's not like doing anything for <laughs> representation. And it's got, you know, someone in it who is involved in a cult. So, you know, but at the same time, (laughs) I love that. So I'm not saying you can't have those. I'm just saying you also have to be able to support those and speak out when you see it. And and that's the way things get changed, hopefully, and not be just like, okay, I'm going to hop on this bandwagon for a minute and say, you know, that we need more representation. And, you know, you don't. While we're celebrating Pride Month here on the podcast, too, you have to celebrate Pride all year long. You have to believe that Black Lives Matter all year round. You have to believe that you want to stop Asian hate all year round. You have to believe that you want more representation all the time and not just as a fad. And I think that's where we need to improve is that we just kind of jump on these things and say this time it'll be different. And it isn't because we don't have any follow through because people don't want to do the work and it's easy to just sit there and lay back on your or so anyway, that's my, th- that's our theme for this year. <laughs> and I'm very excited to talk about Moonlight next week. I have to say, I'm really, really excited. I'm, I, I, you know, I will say I have not watched the movie since it first came out because the movie is so, so intense and so, beautiful and painful and amazing. So I am going to have to be in the right mind space to watch it again, but I'm very, very excited to talk about that because I also think Barry Jenkins is one of the best directors we have around in the business right now. I mean, he's just incredible, incredible, incredible. Anyway, sorry, that was a little bit of a tangent, but, but yeah, so that's, that's our theme. So, Even if you feel like there isn't anything you can do or there isn't anything that can change it, there are little things that you can try and do. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation. I have enjoyed this whole weekend of recording, I want to say. So thank you, Carla, also for joining me for this whole weekend of recording.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's been an absolute pleasure. (laughs)
0: Good. Yes. And I don't know when our Army of the Dead episode is gonna come out because
1: look for the Army of the Dead episode to come out around Christmas.
0: <laughs> I know because editing that is just I may just be...
1: Yeah, it's gonna be fun for you. Let well, me just do it. Just, just do what just... you said. Just yeah, just put here it, it out is. There.
0: Here it is. It's it's about a Zack Snyder movie, so you know, hey, I'm just gonna put it out there. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to go ahead and close out. So, Carla,
1: do you want to say where your podcast can be found? Well, yes, I do. Thank you, Erin. <laughs> uh, both I and my co-host on our podcast, Meg, can be found at Bed, Wet, or Behead. That is the name of our podcast, which you can find on any podcast dealer. You can also find our Twitter at Bed, Wed, Behead, Pod. On Instagram at wet.bed.behead.pod or on Facebook, just look for Bed, Wet, or Behead Podcast and you will find us there. I love how you say podcast dealer. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's what what I've switched to. I know. I love it. It's the only way now.
0: I'm picturing going to an alleyway and getting my podcast.
1: (laughs) Hey, what what, what you got today? Uh,
2: Yeah.
1: I I got some fandom thing. (laughs) Is there a guy like Want a podcast?
2: Want a podcast? Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Want a true cry? What this? I just got in this new batch of sudden but inevitable. <laughs> What's your poison, honey?
0: <laughs> uh. That's weird <laughs> Oh man, someone needs to make a
2: video of that. Or <laughs> get get on it, Carla. Yeah, I was going to say that's Carla's thing. <laughs> My send me baby Brad Pitt images. <laughs> so funny sasha where can they find you yes you can find me on the instagram it's the only place you can find me that we're going to talk about uh and that is vegan geek chick and then from there it'll link you to my adorable dog uh who is a terror and you can follow him um there who is a terror he's a terror (laughs) he's six months old he's actually going in tomorrow to get his balls removed so we're really excited about that (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: um okay well this is erin <laughs> <laughs> this is erin you can follow me on twitter at e April beauty the e and the a and the b are capitalized be sure to like the show on facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on twitter at FandomThingPod. thing pod no it's in that one on instagram at it's a fandom thing pod if you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest or if you are if you would like to be part of our Halloween trivia epic event that's going to be taking place over ten weeks, if you would like to possibly host one of those evenings, co-host it with me, you I do ask if you are comfortable with it, that you dress in theme, we are going to be doing zombies, vampires, werewolves, psychological, uh, paranormal, slashers, uh, queer horror. Um, I know I'm forgetting some, so apologies, zombies. Um, yeah, so we're going to be doing a bunch of different categories: comedy, horror comedy. So if you are at all interested in that, if you're a creator, if you're a fellow podcast and I haven't reached out to you yet, I'm going to start reaching out to people very soon, probably June or July to see. But if you are interested in helping out with that, please hit us up at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And on our next episode tomorrow, we're going to be streaming our episode, Kicking Off Pride, once again, talking about the movie Moonlight. And then we are also going to be talking about, not on a live stream, but we're going to be talking about the movie Brokeback Mountain. And warning that uh, Aaron will probably cry when we talk about Brokeback Mountain, because every time I talk about Heath Ledger, I end up crying because Heath Ledger... Was one of the most talented actors we ever had. And I still grieve the loss of him. Um, we are later this year, we're going to be talking about Stand By Me and we're going to be talking about River Phoenix. So I'll probably also cry during that one too, because I remember exactly where I was when River Phoenix died. Same thing with Heath Ledger. So on that happy note. <laughs> so until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter, and Stop Asian Hate. Thank you again for listening to It's a Fandom Thing. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Our logo was designed by Brooke Belly, with cover art by Carla Temmis. Additional research was done by Megan Archuleta. Our Instagram and Facebook content producer and creator is Erin Amos. And our producer is Lila Tafola. I'm your host, Aaron Marlowe, and remember, keep that fandom spirit alive.
1: (laughs) What would you vote for, Mr. Zombie? (laughs) That's an interesting take. I didn't think that you would support the candidate based on their positions on zombies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, that that does make more sense. Thank you for for giving us your opinion tonight. (laughs) (laughs)